1: What's up, everyone? How's it going? We are back again. You know how I did it. said it differently. I said, what's up, everyone? Not what's going on. I didn't even catch it. (laughs) Somebody might catch it. Maybe Maybe I should have said a word. I I don't know. Fuck. Maybe you should talk about some headphones real quick, though. Right. 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 Studio headphones, to be more precise. Yes. Go over to studio.com. Check out their headphones and their earbuds. I noticed they have some brand new earbuds out. Uh, they know they have uh, some noise-canceling ones now. I can't remember what, what their name is because they're always adding different stuff yeah. and changing everything around. It
0: seems like they add new stuff like monthly for some uh, reason. Or bi-monthly. Yeah, or it's quarter, like they've always whatever. got
1: new stuff coming out, and it's but, awesome. But check them out, and when you find wh- exactly what you want, because we know you're going to find what you want there, put it in your checkout basket, or put it in your basket, go to checkout, and put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off. Yes. Because, you know, why not?
0: Also, darkwindowspod.threadless.com. Go get some clothes. Get some. Because you shouldn't be listening to this naked. No. Anyway, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're going to do a little switchy switcheroo. We're going to sort of. We're kind of continuing our our path of, like, doing badasses here once in a while. So this week,
1: on this episode of the Dark Windows Podcast,
0: we're going to be covering... Badasses. Yes. But we're going to do Black History Month badasses. Yes.
1: Because it's February, and
0: we didn't do this last year. Like, we, we kind of wanted to, and or we just kind of got caught up with other stuff. But we anyway. We just forgot. Yeah. Anyway.
1: That's, I was supposed to put it that way. We forgot. Yeah. Because, you know, we we just get wrapped up in things, and we get sidetracked. We're like, oh, hey, look. Squirrel. Oh,
0: And hey. honestly, sometimes it's hard to remember whose fucking month is what. I, I honestly, you know, I don't really care. I, I mean, no disrespect by that, but it's like everybody's got a month, and I don't know whose is what.
1: I look at it like this: if you're a badass, you're a badass, exactly. and I don't really care. It's it's you know. So whatever. take it take it away. Who you uh, who you got? Well, this week for this one, I am covering doing something completely different. My badass I chose for this episode is not. One of those typical badasses that we cover. Mine is. (laughs) Mine is not. This one is a female. Okay. Okay. Which, you know, male or female, doesn't matter. It it, it doesn't make a difference. You be a badass no matter what. But what I mean by not typical, she did not single-handedly go out and kill 20 or less soldiers to prevent them from advancing. She didn't get on a plane during wartime and, you know, march drugs and stuff like that from one area to another, didn't get people out of, um, out of the combat zone, you know, she, she, this wasn't her, this was not her. Yes, she did serve, um, in World War II, um, but we'll get to that. The lady that I'm covering is Bessie Stringfield. She was born, not born Bessie Stringfield. She was actually born Betsy Lenora Ellis on February 9th, 1911, which is pretty cool because today's her birthday. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of forgot what today was, to be honest. I I honestly went, wait a minute. Today (laughs) would have been her birthday. Happy birthday, (laughs) buddy. She (laughs) was born in Kingston, Jamaica. To Mary Ellis, who was a domestic servant, and James Ferguson, who was Maria's employer. Aha. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> uh, when she was young, she and her parents immigrated to the U.S., and more specifically, Boston, Massachusetts. Nice. Now, when I say her parents, I'm not quite sure if um, – what when they were saying parents, if they were referring to – um. Like So her mom, obviously, but to uh, Mr. Ferguson, I think it may have been another person, another guy that was just what became her dad. So her kind of stepdad, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't really know because, honestly, I could not find anything that said dad or, you know, Mr. Ferguson or not. Nah. Well, that's fair enough. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, so I, I I like to be as thorough as possible, but. Even but do you though? I do. Okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she immigrated to the U.S. with her parents. Now she did become a U.S. citizen after immigrating um, because her, her parents, you know, went through the whole citizenship. Right, right. But coming to America, having a happy life was not long not because the no. Because her parents, when she was five years old, became sick and both died from smallpox
0: what
1: and she became what year, what an year did she what what year did they die so well she was born so nineteen sixteen okay so okay, so it was during that time of the whole uh,
0: well, the the reason I ask is because I was wondering I'm like did they get lucky with smallpox and avoid the Spanish flu? But no, they were a couple years ahead of that. But still lucky, apparently, because uh, the Spanish flu, I guess, sucked. Yeah. But I never had it, so.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have it.
0: Never, you never know, man.
1: Hard telling not knowing. And start eating fucking bats and get coronavirus, so. Ooh, <laughs> mm. Bats are juicy, though. <laughs> <laughs> so her parents got sick, like I said, and they died from smallpox, and she became an orphan. So she went to live at an orphanage, like most kids that are parentless. But she wouldn't be there for long because she would soon be adopted by an Irish woman who raised her in a very strong Catholic upbringing. And when Bessie was sixteen, her adopted mother gave her a motorcycle. Awesome! Yes, <laughs> happy birthday, kid. In an interview she gave for two. Anna Farrar um, in her book primary source Hear Me Roar Women Motorcycles and the Rapture of the Road Bessie revealed to the author how she drew courage f- from her faith to Jesus Christ whom she called the man upstairs so, and <laughs> so it's just you know pretty cool yeah no uh, I, I can appreciate that because that's where she got you know because of because of her adopted mother she got this you know faith and She decided that, well, I'm going to start riding this bike. So at 16, never riding a bike or anything, she hopped on it and took off. Um, So then she also goes on to say in this interview that when I was in high school, I wanted a motorcycle and I got one, she said. Her first bike was a 1928 Indian Scout, which as soon as I heard that, I went – Oh, that's a pretty yes. sick bike i know <laughs> yeah. but at the time that's kind of like, it was pretty standard issue at yeah, the time but, like, eh. but now we look back at it we're
0: like oh fucking indian yeah, yeah. buddy
1: <laughs> now
0: i actually have an old uh enamel uh indian motorcycle sign in my basement yeah pretty fucking cool
1: it, it is. Yeah, it is I, I can start cool. moving
0: that shit up here into the studio.
1: I know. It, it actually is pretty cool. You got some old, old uh, Remington stuff, right? Is it Remington? or Didn't you have some um, other type of?
0: Oh, I can't remember what it was. I've got that. I've got an old uh, an old Camel Cigarettes one down there. Oh, man. Um, there's a bunch of them because the, cool. the people we bought the house from are just like, they just left it here, and I'm like, fucking yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, like I said, not having any prior knowledge of, Operations, she just was like, you know what? The hell with it. And
0: Worst you can do is, the worst is going to happen is you're going to fall off of it. Yeah.
1: Well, she just threw caution in the wind and got on and just went for it. Well, I mean, and yeah. She
0: proved to be a natural. You're, you're a kid. You're not afraid of anything, you know? But you're, you're not smart enough to be afraid of anything at 16. <laughs> yeah. <it's true. laughs> I and, wasn't,
1: at least. And like I, uh, the reason why I had given that quote before about. Um, she drew courage from Jesus Christ and, and that you know she called him a man upstairs was because she insisted that the man upstairs gave her the skills to be a natural on the bike and just get on it and go.
0: But what if we're all wrong and the guy she's talking about was actually like an upstairs neighbor? It's like some Greek <laughs> dude. This guy gave me a motorcycle. He's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guy upstairs. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. That'd be fun,
1: though. <laughs> True. Now, I did find that in one source, um, she actually got rid of her Indian and then uh, went to a 27 um, Harley Davidson motorcycle. Nice. But I, I don't really know. I mean, it doesn't really – a lot of the things kind of left part of it out. Some of them left it in. So, it, you know, just Spoiler really,
0: alert for my half of
1: the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, you know, this is kind of why I picked her. Was because... she had a motorcycle.
0: And, and she's, probably a leather
1: coat. She just looked like a badass. Yeah, but also think about the time. Oh, that's true. She's a badass because, well, she's a woman, she's on a motorcycle.
0: Well, let's be more specific. She's a black woman in the 1920s. Doesn't matter. She's a woman it, it, first. Well.
1: That's that's the part that's, you know, big time. Being a woman in you know, when she's 16 years old, so 19 in 1920s, getting a motorcycle. You know, women at that time did not get on a motorcycle and ride it. They were at home or somewhere else they wore long dresses and all this good stuff. I guarantee she didn't wear a dress when she was on a motorcycle
0: that's a good way to burn your ankles
1: yeah um but this also broke barriers down because she like I because she was riding that motorcycle and well as you said, she was black you know but I mean being that was a much
0: bigger deal back then than it is now well. <laughs> The
1: biggest part f- at this point in time was because that she was a woman. It wasn't because she was black. Okay. At this point in time, this particular time, it was just because she was a woman on a motorcycle. But this is also the same time when, you know, uh, blacks were not allowed
0: to serve in the same units as whites during the war. But, you know.
1: <laughs> well, uh, but that's neither here nor there. This is this is just because she's a woman and she's on a motorcycle. Okay. Now, she did break that barrier down even further, and she went into the part that being African-American because she threw caution to the wind and said, you know what? I want to go out and explore. I want to go and see other places. So she took a penny, flicked it up in the air, and it landed on a map. And wherever it landed on the map, she went.
0: Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, it would have been cooler if she did that with a globe and got it to stay somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she actually did this enough that she was able to actually cover most of the lower forty-eight. No shit. So yeah, she was to most of the like the southern states. Well, I mean, back then there was only forty-eight. So, well, she was in. She was in most of the. You know, I th- not. All the lower forty-eight. She she was just in the southern part of the of the United States. So down south, that's where she went through. Um, so she covered most of that. Which this is the part where being a black person was an honor. Motorcycle. You know, she has one strike against her because well, a she's a woman and she's on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. The next strike is well. She's a woman, and she's black, and she's on a motorcycle. You know, that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, dur- this, during that time, this whole time, that's like...
0: That was the biggest crime you could commit in the United States.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just kind of says that she had uh, some fortitude. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have lady balls to be able to do that, I mean... Yeah. Uh, she would say that her faith got her through the nights on the road. In an interview uh, for that same book that I mentioned above, uh, which was um, Hear Me Roar, uh, during her trip across the country, she would stop and do tricks to demonst- uh, dem- trick demonstrations to the crowd that would gather around, which to me is number three strike because uh, you're doing something that now a man you, would do.
0: Now you're being a fucking juvenile, juvenile
1: delinquent on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> With your wheelies and whatnot. Yeah. You sons of bitches. But, but you're also stepping into a man's world because, I mean, men, only men do this. You know, that's not a woman's place. A woman shouldn't be, you know, doing tricks, standing up on a bike hey, and putting themselves into danger. Hey, and, it,
0: it's hard to do fucking wheelies on a motorcycle when you're supposed to be in the kitchen. Just saying.
1: I, I know but she was like I'm not doing that. I'm definitely not doing that. And in an interview she gave uh in the Hear Me Roar book or it's not really a book, it's more like a uh I can't think of the word, but it's a like a living biography because when women the women actually speak about what their experiences are. Okay. Um she recorded uh, this this quote she said if you had a black if you had black skin you didn't get a place to stay i knew the lord would take care of me and he did i found black folks i'd stay with them if not i'd sleep at a filling station at filling stations on my motorcycle so she basically said the man upstairs is going to take protect me no matter what, and that's kind of you know ballsy. Yeah, really, to when, say hey, when, when, well, I don't have a place to stay, so I, I'm gonna just stay at a filling station, and the man upstairs, he's gonna protect me. But being in the south, yeah, that's like I said, took big, big cojones. Yeah, to do because I mean who who the <sighs> who the fuck does that now? Yeah, but I mean, then you don't know what's going to happen to you because you don't know if some, you know, white folk are going to come along that are so racist. I'm not saying every single one in the South was racist, but I'm saying that a vast majority were, would come along and they could have lynched her. Or worse. Or worse, you know, just because she was a black woman you know out on a motorcycle and wh- who would you steal that bike from and yeah. you know thinking that it wasn't hers and would want to you know take and you know, take care of business
0: well yeah obviously i mean people are shitty it doesn't matter what fucking color you are when it is people are generally shitty
1: yeah and i guess this that's part of the reason why i picked her was because she did something like this she said you know what Screw you, world. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to do what I want to do. And uh, I don't know if it's maybe a combination of um, her biological mother saying, hey, you know what? And and her dad saying, throwing caution in the wind saying, hey, we're you know what? We're going to get the hell out of Jamaica and we're going to go to the United States and make a better living. Or her adopted mother who said, screw it. This girl wants a motorcycle. I'm going to get her one. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I mean, she may have – I don't really know. They don't really talk much about her. But I would guarantee she was one of those strong-willed women that was like, hey, you know, women can do just as much as men. I don't care. I don't care. Maybe I might, might be past my time, but you know what? Let's let her have it and let her go with it because the man upstairs is going to help. Right. She didn't – so she didn't care and, you know, like I said, didn't – being strong-willed, she didn't really care about anything that would – if she, anything happened to her. And she – and she was like, you know, I need money. So she'd do the stunt riding – like I mentioned previously, and she would also – this is the cool part, which I was really ballsy on her part. <laughs> she would get on her motorcycle and go to flat tracks. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> and she would race. Not only would she race, she would win.
0: Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'm guessing she's racing other motorcycles.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, on a flat track. Yeah, it's you – know, you just can kind of mostly you're sideways a lot of the time, right? You know, just go around the track, but to that's do that, crazy, because it's it's a man's world type of thing. You it's fucking dangerous. That's why it is.
0: That's why women weren't expected to be doing shit back like that back then.
1: <laughs> and then when the track owners would find out that she was a woman, they would refuse to pay her. The money that she was due. Yeah, because you're not supposed to be beating men at fucking racing. No. (laughs) Fuck out of (laughs) here. She would then take this—
0: Fucking crazy broads take a hike. (laughs) I
1: know. Uh, So then she would take this desire to travel even further. Between the 1930s and the early 1940s, uh, she made eight long-distance solo rides across the U.S. And then she would also go to Brazil— Europe. That's a long fucking ride to Europe. Well, she'd get on a fucking boat.
0: Oh, okay. Jesus. <clears throat> she goes over <laughs> the fucking Arctic or something and yeah. oh. pops down into England, you know, the fucking Russia, and then back across and mm. through the tunnel over, you know, through the channel.
1: Exactly. Who the fuck knows? You don't know. I. You know, maybe she got going fast enough on her bike that she was like, I'm going to sail right across the water. I'm going
0: to tell you right now. This is all I've got to say about that.
1: Anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Well, so now at this point we're 1940s, middle nineteen forties, and World War Two has just kicked off. Mm. And she being a strong willed woman decides that she is going to help in any way that she can. Like most people of the time. She joined the German army. She did. <laughs> Uncle Adolf wanted her to join and said, you know what, sweetheart, come join me. Then
0: he found out she was a black woman and he shot himself in the face.
1: Yes, because she pretended to be a black man. And she... No,
0: she pretended to be a white man. That's why he was so shocked when he took her mask off and it was a black girl. And he's like, was this? And he shot himself in the teeth.
1: Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> And that's how World War II ended. Did it? I don't know. <laughs> That's a new ending to me. Huh. Uh, so, just like most people, she decided that she was going to help in any way that she could. So, she decided to become a civilian dispatch rider for the army.
0: Okay, what exactly is that?
1: Uh, well, she would carry documents between domestic bases on her – um, so, from one base to another. That's what a – Oh, um, so like Dispatch Rider is.
0: Pony Express style.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. But she did it on her own Harley Davidson. I think at that point in time, I'd
0: have been like, hey, listen, you guys need to give me a bike because you're not paying me for mileage. You're not
1: paying my maintenance. Like, let's well, figure this shit out. Well, she was the only woman in her unit, and she completed the rigorous training maneuvers, including learning how to weave a makeshift bridge. From rope and tree limbs to cross swamps. That's pretty cool. It's badass. So Bessie regularly encountered racial prejudice while on her ro- on the road, which is you know no Not surprise. BS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once she was followed by a man in a pickup truck who deliberately ran her into a ditch, violently knocking her off a bike. What a fucking yeah. dink. Yeah. She, uh, Bessie would make ambitious motorcycle rides across, like I said, Europe, Brazil, and she also went to Haiti.
0: Again, long fucking ride on a motorcycle. (laughs) But... Unless she put skis on that bitch or something and just,
1: like, jet skied it across. Yeah. That'd be fucking rad. But between these rides and after becoming a courier, she did make time, however, to get get married and divorced six times. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, her, she and her first husband were deeply saddened by the loss of three babies. Oh, be- uh, yeah, that'll do it. And Bessie had no more children.
0: Uh, I, I would probably be in the same boat. Like you, th- try three times, and yeah.
1: Yeah, and we're and she actually kept the the name of her last husband, which was uh, Stringfield. Okay. Um, cuz and this was at his at his request. Because you know, must have been in love with her that much. She was like, "Okay, hey, this is not working out between us, but you know what? Will you at least keep my last name?" Yeah. And she said, "Sure." Um and and she, but, but it was also because she felt he felt that she was going to make the name famous. Ah. As well. <laughs> That's probably mostly that. Well, because of what she has, was accomplishing. Right. And, and because he probably hadn't accomplished shit. Probably. Yeah. Could be. Damn men. Okay. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> uh, so, in the 1950s, Bessie uh, settled in Miami, Florida. She became a licensed practical nurse and founded the Iron Horse Motorcycle Club. She had a jacket and all. She was the MC. <laughs> She was, the,
0: she was the leader, the fucking hat and all that. Oh, ah, yeah. uh, and then she also became a salsa dance instructor because she didn't have anything else to fucking do. <laughs>
1: uh. I guess, and and her days of racing weren't done as well because, like, one time she then she also raced again and she took off her helmet and. The officials were blown away because she they, she pretended to be a male, and they were like, whoa. And then they're just like, yeah, beat it,
0: motherfucker. We ain't paying you. Good job, though. <laughs> a little smack on the butt on the way out. <laughs> yeah it was the 40s you were allowed to do that still it's true <laughs> 50s at this time whatever but still they could still do dude, that dude you could smoke at a fucking office they're just
1: like hey good job kid that is true <laughs> smack on the ass and on your way uh, her other antics that besides riding on a dirt track flat track were she would ride her Harley while standing in, in its saddle meaning on the seat
0: you know people still do that and they still think it's stupid
1: It's a really dumb idea. It really is. But she did it to uh, attract uh, local press attention. Okay.
0: So people now do it to get famous on YouTube, and then they fall and smack their heads (laughs) open on the concrete.
1: Yeah. I mean, she did attract attention so much that uh, reporters called her Stringfield, the Negro Motorcycle Queen, which was later changed to the Stringfield, the Motorcycle Queen of Miami.
0: Fair enough. Um, she, now, mu- she must've, uh, must've toppled the white motorcycle queen too. And the Hispanic one. She's just like, no, she's actually the queen now.
1: I, I don't know. Full blown. <laughs> Who knows? The queen of hearts is done, you know, for wh- whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this man. <laughs> I don't know either, but in absence of children, she found joy in her pet dogs some of whom paraded with her on her motorcycle, which I have seen before and I think is fucking stupid. No, it's cool if you get him like a sidecar and like
0: goggles and a helmet and shit. That's
1: awesome. I bet I would you do she that didn't with my know. dog.
0: No, probably not. It's just like, no fuck it, hop on, dude.
1: She was like, your ass is sitting in the front. Yeah. Sit there and shut up.
0: Probably like a fucking Great Dane or something. It's like <laughs> his nuts are just dragging on the, t- on the back tire. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I don't know. Mom, don't stop. Don't hit the brakes, Mike.
1: I'm going to (laughs) get caught. This is going to suck. In in 1990, when the American Motorcycle Association, the AMA, opened the first motorcycle heritage museum in uh, Pickerington, Ohio, Stringfield was featured in its inaugural exhibit on women in motorcycling. Uh, And then late in life, uh, she had suffered from symptoms caused by... An enlarged heart, and she died in uh, opa Florida, in 1993 at the age of 82. I was going
0: to say, yeah, she must have been fairly old. That's, hey, yeah.
1: shit, she had a good run. Now, she wouldn't be in, and the reason why I mentioned the AMA is because she was featured in it, but she wasn't inducted into, into it. Okay. She wouldn't be inducted until 2002, so posthumously she was right inducted. The American Motorcyclists Association would then give out, go on to uh, make up an award for her. Right. Calling it the Bessie Stringfield Memorial Award. And it is now presented to recognize outstanding achievements by female motorcyclists. And I did find a quote while doing my research, and I feel that I I should read it because it sums up – Um, how wonderful and extraordinary this woman is.
0: The Bessie Stringfield Battle Royale Invitational.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a golf tournament. (laughs) She'd go in dressed as a fucking man. It was just
0: like, it was in my head and I had to get it out.
1: Who's this Bessie Stringfield? That's some guy. You know, you know Bessie Stringfield, right? And she'd be like, surprise, motherfuckers, I'm Bessie Stringfield. I'm a female. comes out it's like
0: looks like the ultimate warrior and she just peels the mask off and it's just her you're like what the fuck how'd she do that <laughs> cocaine uh, that's how <laughs> uh.
1: so so like i said i i found a uh, quote that she had given to anne farrar um in the book or memoir that i mentioned earlier and the quote is now these are i have to preface this my words not hers her words, not mine. Sorry. Okay. I was gonna like <laughs> wait a minute here. <laughs> uh, there are all types of rugged, and not all of them are physical. It takes tough mental grit, foresight, planning, and craftiness to do what Bessie did in the Jim Crow era and get away with it. So that was from Anna Ferrar, um, and what she meant by all types of uh, rugged, and not all of them physical, meaning women.
0: Uh, also, like, just being hard as fuck, like yeah. emotionally, yeah. Uh, she would and go- mentally
1: to go. You know what? I'm going to sleep at a fucking gas station. See what happens. Yeah, uh, she would go on to say Bessie was not a standard bearer for the organization, for the organized civil rights movement, f- or for the women in general. She was. She couldn't be, as she was ahead of both those movements. I called her a one-woman civil rights movement, and that phrase has often been repeated, but what I meant was, Bessie let nothing stand in her way, despite racial or gender prejudice. She was an outstanding and brave individual, which basically sums up who she was. She's a bad bitch, dude. Yeah, she was like, (laughs) fuck you all, I'm doing what the fuck I want, and kiss my ass. Yeah. And I, guess Pretty what? Much. I ain't letting no goddamn man send him my way. <laughs> okay. Let's settle down. <laughs> there is a Facebook page that you can go to to look up more about uh, Bessie Stringfield. And all you have to do is just type in her name. Okay. Um, and you can, all, like I had mentioned before previous, the, um, one of the sources I used, which is Anna Ferrar's primary source book called... Hear Me Roar, Women, Motorcycles, and The Rapture of the Road, you can uh, look at that, too, as well. Awesome. Uh, if you want to find out more about Bessie Stringfield. Awesome. So we're going to take our quick break, and we'll be right back with, uh,
0: yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I went completely stereotypical with the kind of badass that I cover. Bye. <laughs> The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel, there's something for everyone. The courses I'm personally looking forward to checking out are the 36-part series on the Vikings and the 24-part series, The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus for 14 days free. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000-plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay. So, did you enjoy that ad like you do every time you hear it? (laughs) We got we we got to get another one going. Um, anyway, I loved it. Yeah, it was great.
1: Ha ha. Yeah.
0: So continuing on with our Black History Month badasses, I'm gonna cover somebody that I had never heard of until I started looking into. Just like I basically, I have a book. It's called Badass, and it's got by Ben Thompson. It's fucking awesome. I was flipping through it, and I saw this guy, and I went, oh, wait a minute. I think this is my guy. (laughs) So Was it, though? Was it your man? Yeah. This is a man who was born into and then escaped slavery, fought for a short period in time during the Civil War, and went on to become a legendary lawman who could have very, very easily been lost to history due to his race and the laws of the 19th and 20th century. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about Bass Reeves. Okay. Got a little bit of a a neat thing to talk about at the very end of it, too, with him. Bass Reeves was born in Crawford County, Arkansas, in 1838. He was named Bass after his grandfather, Bass Washington, which...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bass Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first part, uh, I can see, but so the last part is uh, after George Washington? No idea. Um, Or was it, uh, well, I was going to say Booker T. Washington, but he's later. Are you
0: talking five-time WCW champion, Booker T.? No, you (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Seriously, who was more important? Hmm?
1: Booker T. Washington, the non-wrestler? I doubt it. Come on, man.
0: Five-time. Five-time. Champion.
1: And the five-time champion was just called Booker T. He wasn't called Booker T. Washington. He
0: was originally Booker T. Washington, though.
1: Where did he get it from? I don't know. Maybe a
0: famous dude. <laughs> Dumbass. It was WCW. They had fucking stupid names for everybody.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Anyway, his family, and I really hate the fact that I have to use this term, was owned by Arkansas legislator
1: William Reeves, hence the surname of Reeves. Okay. Um, because a lot of... um. It's one of those things is history but I gotta say it a, a lot of people that were um black then if if uh they would take the last name of their uh of their owner Yeah, the slave because
0: owner. you're my property you have my name
1: well no a lot of even even if uh even if they were set free or whatever they could have just chose their own name they still took that name
0: mm, fair enough So sometime around 1848, Reeves packed up his family and slaves and moved to Grayson County, Texas, where his son, George, was living at the time. George was a sheriff and one time speaker of the House for the state of Texas. When the Civil War broke out, George Reeves joined up with the Confederate side, obviously being Texas, Mm -hmm. not really a northern state. um, And he (laughs) took off to war. He took 10 year old bass with him. I don't know why, if it was maybe like, hey, you're going to stay here and take care of my shit while I go out and pretend I'm a fucking hero. Maybe. Who knows?
1: That's probably why.
0: So one night, George and Bass were playing cards. They got into an argument. Just Who knows about what? History has fucking lost this detail. Keep in mind, George Reeves is a grown-ass man. And at this point, Bass Reeves is 10 years old. Yeah. The argument keeps escalating and it's getting more and more heated to the point that it got physical. Bass Reeves, again, a fucking child. Don't tell me he beat the shit beat out of Beat the living shit out of George Reeves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> beat his ass. I, saw it, I don't know why, but I saw it coming.
0: After leaving a man probably at least twice his age in a pool of his own shame, Bass escaped north and across the Red River into Indian Territory, which is modern day Oklahoma.
1: Which... Natives despised black people just as much. Not in this case. So he
0: ended up meeting up with a a group of Cherokee who took him in and treated him like one of their own because he was a kid. You know, they're not going to be like, fuck you. Get out of here.
1: True. True.
0: You know, so they fed him. They gave him a place to live and they would also give him the skill set that would make him a mega effective lawman in the future. They taught him horseback riding, tracking, tracking, shooting. And by the time the Thirteenth Amendment was passed, he was fluent in all in the languages of the what they refer to as the uh, the five civilized tribes, mm. which were the Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole. Um, so after slavery ended and he was he became a freedman, he remained in Indian Territory and uh, started up a farm and ended up marrying a Seminole Indian woman. Really, the two of them had eleven kids together.
1: Well, that's not uncalled that's right. not, not not uncalled for. It's not unheard
0: of. Right. Very fertile people.
1: <laughs> well, no, the thing is at that time
0: yeah, I, I know having yeah, eleven
1: kids was what but, you did. But when you have eleven
0: kids and all of them survive. That's fucking magic. True. So he would actually split his time between farming and raising his family, and occasionally from time to time, uh working as a scout for the US Marshal Service. Mm-hmm. On a side note, I had to put this in here because I found it really awesome. In 1882, George Reeves, his former owner, died of fucking rabies. (laughs) It's like, how often do people die of rabies? Like, never. And it couldn't happen to a nicer asshole. In in the early 1870s, he went from being a part-time scout to a full-blown marshal. When Isaac Parker was appointed federal judge of the Indian territory by president Ulysses S. Grant. Parker was sometimes referred to as the hanging judge because there was over the course of a single day, he put somewhere history is kind of foggy on it between six and 10 criminals to death by hanging. But in the grand scheme of things of the 13,000 some odd trials that he held, he only had about 400 men executed. At a time where you could be executed for fucking anything, ain't bad. You know? Could be a fairly lenient guy. Seems like he'd be understanding. But if you stole horses, you were going to, you know.
1: So pretty much the hangman judge was just a uh, kind of uh It was a nickname he got yeah. because he was
0: having a bad day.
1: <laughs> yeah, or just kind of like a scare tactic.
0: Yeah. So it ended up getting to the point that Parker needed more lawmen and he put out the call for more marshals. Bass Reeves was one of the first men to answer this call. He would work out of the courthouse slash jail in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Him and uh, Judge Parker had a really good working relationship because Parker wanted criminals caught. And Bass Reeves, being the badass motherfucker that he was, wanted to catch bad guys.
1: So it worked out well. Well, Still a hard job because you're still black.
0: Right. When he was sworn in, this would officially make him the first black lawman west of the Mississippi River. He was one of 200 marshals hired on for the entirety of the Indian Territory. But, but what made him more special is he was one of the very few that was fluent in the languages of the five tribes. Here's an interesting fact with a little bit of foreshadowing towards our final trivia piece. Bass usually rode through Indian Territory with a member of the Light Horse, which was the tribal police of the five of the five tribes. Mm, anybody picking that up yet? Maybe. Okay, that's fine. So <laughs> let's talk about some of the really badass stuff that Bass Reeves carried out in his thirty-two year career. Thirty-two years in one of the most dangerous areas in the country. At one of the most dangerous times in the history of the country to be an African-American, mm. especially one that has authority over people. Yeah. So he ran in, ran across a man by the name of Jim Webb. Webb was a sadistic, cruel, murderous piece of shit. Um, he would shoot people basically as soon as look at him, especially if they happened to be black. Wasn't a big fan. So one day he rode to his neighbor's house who had started a brush fire to clear some old deadfall and dried brush and stuff like that. Um, And the fire had spread to a very, very small remote corner of Webb's property. So Webb confronted the neighbor who just so happened to be a black preacher. And after yelling at him for starting a fire and damaging his property, Webb didn't even hesitate, pulled out a six shooter and killed him right there on his front doorstep. When word of the murder got back to Judge Parker, he issued a warrant for Jim Webb. Wanted him dead or alive, didn't matter. He wanted him brought to justice for what he'd done. So as soon as the paper warrant hit his hands, Reeves was off. He was a, he was a bloodhound. As soon as he got the scent, he wouldn't stop until he got his guy. Mm-hmm. The day came down to bring Webb in. Reeves and another U.S. marshal rode out, uh, rode out to his property and approached him. Reeves stepped onto the porch and, you know, he's like, hey, we've had a long ride. Do you guys have anything to eat, anything to drink? The whole time, they're kind of keeping their jackets closed so that the, the U.S. Marshal badges on their chest aren't showing because you, you show that around this guy, you're dead. Yeah. doesn't matter what color you are. He's going to kill you. So another kind of little side note, Bass Reeves couldn't read or write. Um, I mean, it wasn't something he was allowed to do as a child because he was a slave and slaves yeah. obviously didn't need to read or write. So he became very good at confronting people and going, hey, I was riding through, uh, I told somebody where I was going, and the postmaster said, hey, would you drop this letter off for him? He'd hand him the letter, guy would open it up, and it's the warrant. Because as soon as he filled the bad guy's hands with paper, he filled his hands with steel. He did the exact same thing right here. Hands web the, the warrant. Saying, oh, they wanted me to give you this letter. This isn't, a, this isn't a letter. This is a warrant. And as soon as he said that, fucking Bass Reeves drew, uh, draws down on him. You're coming with me. <laughs> so they end up taking this dirt bag in. Um, oh, wait, I forgot to mention the fact that as soon as he pulled his gun, one of Webb's associates started running his mouth and uh, went to pull his. And before he could clear leather, Bass dropped his ass with a single shot to the chest. So Webb went in pretty, pretty uh, calmly after that. Um, wow. Bass Reeves was a—he was a rare shooter. He had the combination of being lightning fast and deadly accurate, which a lot of people don't have. You can either be one or the other. Yeah. Um. So, according to some of the newspapers of the day, uh, especially the ones around the Oklahoma area. Some would claim that Bass Reeves killed upwards of 14 men, and they said 13 were in self-defense. The 14th was a complete accident. One night while out on the trail, he and his posse were sitting around the fire, uh, you know, having dinner, laughing, having a good time. Bass is sitting there cleaning his rifle. Didn't realize, sadly, that there was a round in the chamber, and when he set it across his lap, the handle of his knife caught the trigger and fired the rifle. Um, The round exited the barrel, obviously, hit the cook in the face, like hit him in the side of the face. Um, he didn't die instantly, but he did pass away despite the best efforts of Bass trying to save his life. Like he sent people he's holding the guy down, like trying to keep pressure on it, He sending yeah. people to get help. And he ended up dying anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: So lawman or not, murder is murder. And he would go in to face his fate in, in the courtroom of Judge Parker. After a very lengthy trial, like weeks upon weeks, and against the best efforts of the prosecuting attorney who wanted him hanged because surprise, surprise, he didn't like black people. um, Bass Reeves was found innocent and allowed to return to work because the defense attorney basically made the argument, would someone who intentionally meant to kill somebody expend that much time and effort trying to save their life? Absolutely not. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, now, would this have been the same outcome if it had been any other former slave? I don't think so. Um, I think the fact that he was put on trial by someone he had a very good working relationship with ended up giving him a little bit of leeway here and there, you know. But shortly after the trial, Reeves was on the hunt again. And again, it was for Jim Webb who had somehow escaped prison during the trial. This time it was going to end differently. One man is headed home. The other one is headed for a pine box. Bass Reeves tracks Webb down to where he's staying at one of his friend's cabins. Webb went over and kind of like oh, like, separated the curtains because he heard somebody riding up. And as soon as he saw Bass Reeves... Uh, bass Reed. Sounds like a fucking jazz musician.
1: <laughs> Good old Bass Reed. Yeah
0: bass reading his five piece orchestra (laughs) um so as soon as he saw bass riding up he uh he opened the door and starts fucking throwing lead at him bass took cover behind a fence post which was pretty impressive considering he was anywhere between six foot two and six foot five and he was well over 200 pounds he was uh, built like a brick shit house he was a big man the two-exchange gunfire, uh, Bass narrowly avoided losing, a, losing his head when a bullet passed through the top of his hat, but today was his day. He cocked his lever action, aimed and fired, hitting Webb in the stomach. Dropped him. So when Webb hit the grass, Reeves approached and checked on him. Bass Reeves didn't strike me as the kind of person who maliciously wanted to go out and kill people, you know? Yeah. It was just part of his job, occasionally, to have to shoot some asshole. So according to some stories, Jim Webb used his dying breath to actually pay respect to the lawman and gave him his pistol as a, as a show of respect, yep. which for a guy who was a notorious racist and a all around scumbag, not a bad way to end your life. I guess there was a couple other ones that I found. There was one in 1885 where he was sent out to bring in uh, three brothers. Their last name was Brunter. Uh, they were, pretty notorious, like, cop killers and burglars, horse thieves, basically your run-of-the-mill shithead for back in the day. He walked up to the, because they were kind of standing in, like, a semicircle, I guess, the way they explained it. He walked up to the one in the middle, handed him a note, said, hey, they wanted me to give you a letter. And again, the guy opens it and goes, this ain't no letter, this is a warrant. And by the time he finished saying warrant, Bass had drawn and killed the other two. Like, just fucking pew-pew. Two shots, two dead men, and the other one's like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm coming with you then, aren't I?" He was a he was a fucking badass dude. Like, when I, the more I read about him, the more I'm like, "This is the guy." But the most in, one of the most interesting ones I found was again in 1885. Bass receives another bounty. This one hit kind of close to home for me because it's a little bit of a callback because the warrant he was given was to arrest the bandit queen bell star who was one of our earlier episodes yeah um reeves and bell actually apparently were on some kind of friendly terms um many times no they they dealt with each other many times and uh they kind of knew some of the same people uh reeves would sometimes inform her that you know hey you're wanted in fort smith for something you may want to you know avoid the area yeah um it's not really known why they were like friendly with each other. Um, But the the only time that this was, wasn't the only time they'd run into each other and uh, basically came back and said, I, I missed her. I couldn't find her. (laughs) So that's uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, This next one was probably the hardest warrant he would ever have to serve He had to hunt down his own son, Benny. Benny was wanted for killing his wife and going on the lam afterwards. Um, When he found out about the murder and he saw that someone else had got the warrant, he walked up to him and took it out of his hands and said, this is my family, I'll handle it myself. That had to have been, like, heartbreaking as a father, but also, like, I find you I'm going to kick your ass because, you know... Yeah. So here is the real question. If he found Benny and he drew down on him, would Bass hesitate? What do you think? Do you think if if, if his kid had drawn down on him, he would have showed any hesitation and not just fucking blasted him right there?
1: Uh, it's hard telling not knowing because you don't know what type of father he was. Right. Um. So... Part of me wants to say, yes, he would have, but the other part is kind of like, I don't know because I don't know what kind of dad he was. Right. So if that's kind of my conundrum.
0: So he did end up tracking Benny down. He found him camped out sleeping next to his fire, Um, woke him up and took him in without incident. There's no shots fired, no uh-huh. like ill words spoken, just like, hey. Come on, you know, we got to take care of this, you know. Um, So Benny would actually be convicted for the murder. He would serve his time in Leavenworth, Kentucky. And when he was released, he went on to become a model citizen. So, I mean, after that, no more run-ins with the law. He was a model prisoner while he was there.
1: Well, I mean, we don't know what uh, dear dad said to him or or did to him on the way. And, I mean,
0: he was only a kid when he killed his wife. He was, like, 17, 18 years old. So, I mean... It's still no excuse to kill somebody, but you're a kid. You got time to fix yourself. Very true. So his 32-year career as a marshal in the Indian Territory would come to an end when Oklahoma became a state in 1907. He would, however, become an officer in the Muskogee Police Department at the age of 68 years old. 68 years old, and he's like, Yeah, I still got it. No problem, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, the shitty thing is that After a lifelong career of catching bad guys, which he, like once Jim Crow laws took effect, he was basically, well, not basically, he became a second class citizen. Like he would walk into places where Pete, you know, he used to be able to talk to people and they would have respect for him. And now they're just like, fuck off, get out of here. You know, he'd go sit down in his his local restaurant or whatever, and he would be told, you can't sit here. You need to go somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. You know, that shit.
1: Racism took over. Yeah. Like which once. is
0: which is weird because it's like these are the people that he would have fucking breakfast or lunch or whatever with all the time. And then once it became legal to be a piece of shit, they're just like, okay, might as well do it, right? Well, it wasn't legal. I mean, it was – Less was, it frowned was, upon.
1: Well, the thing is it, it was still frowned upon then. I mean, they didn't, still didn't like – they still didn't like ya if you if you're black – you know, during his time, that he was a marshal. But mean, but
0: these were people that had res- that they respect they had mutual respect for each other, and then when the Jim Crow laws took in, it was just like none of it happened.
1: Yeah, but he had less power though too. Right. Which because if if he was still marshal, marshal the you know the black guy that's marshal, well, all right, we got to pay him respect because we might need him to do something for us one day, and yeah, you know. It, so kind of one hand washes another in that situation. Yeah, but the old man that's a that's a cop or whatever, or was a cop, eh? Whatever. Um,
0: Bass Reeves ended would end up passing away in 1910 of kidney disease. Um, he had an amazing career with uh, more than a, there was more than a few, uh, more than a handful of sources that I looked through claimed that he brought somewhere in the neighborhood of three thousand bad guys into justice. Wow. It's like, that's a lot. That's like uh, almost a hundred a year for thirty-two years. It's a lot. That's a lot of. You
1: know? um, oh, if it, oh, hold on. How he was thirty. It was when it was there for thirty-two years. Yep. And he brought in how many?
0: Three wow. thousand.
1: Well, it's a little over a hundred a year. Well, that thirty-two hundred would be a hundred a year. Yeah,
0: not not bad, kid. You know. Um, oh. One of his biggest busts was when he actually brought 17 men into jail. By himself. (laughs) Um, And there is a really popular fan theory. Remember I said we had a little bit of a fun thing at the very end here? Very popular fan theory that the story and radio show of The Lone Ranger is based on Bass Reeves. Kind of makes sense when you think about it. There are a lot of parallels. Both were no bullshit lawmen. Both used disguises to... Get to the bad guys; they were tricky. Um, both rode around with an Indian companion, and if anyone ever stood for truth, justice, and the American way, it would have been Bass Reeves. He was a he was an interesting dude. Um, I did get a lot of my stuff from a uh, YouTube documentary that I watched. Um, it's called "Lore's and uh, Legends and Lore of yeah. the Old West." It's directed by a guy that I'm sure a lot of people don't like, but he did a really good job of the series. I watched a couple of them. It's Bill O'Reilly. Um, I watched a few of them in the series. They're all really well
1: done. Um, well, Bill, he's, just, just because he's a historian. Like, yeah, just because you don't like his politics doesn't right. mean that he's not good at hi- historical type stuff. Right. He he really is. He knows his stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's a very smart man. Yeah. Um,
0: one of the other things I ran into on YouTube. I had a hard time with this because I kind of got sucked into it for a little bit and I regret it. Um, One of the next videos that popped up was from a different channel claiming that Bass Reeves wasn't a black man because he was light-skinned black. And I was like, okay. Sure. And then I started watching more of these videos and I'm like, this is kind of fucking weird because like a lot of these people that they're talking about on here, you have like you obviously had Bass Reeves, you had um, fucking Red Fox, Marvin Gaye, like, all these guys are like, oh, they're, they're not black, because they're light-skinned, I'm like, fuck runs this channel? I was like, oh, this is, a, this is a black guy running this channel? Like, so, you're kind of being racist to your own people, which is fucking dumb, it's like, what, what, why? Who cares? It's
1: prejudice within your own.
0: Yeah. It's like, who cares if he was light? If
1: It doesn't matter. It's like
0: his pain. Okay. The reason that he was light skinned is because most likely the owner of the fucking plantation that he grew up on was most likely his father, but that doesn't matter. Well, he I still, he still went through just as much bullshit as anybody else did back then.
1: Well, the thing is, also not every single—it's it, it, not everybody that's that's African is like darkest, right? Exactly. You know, look, look at, look at everything. You know, yeah. I mean, like Manute Bowl, Okay, he was the blackest black man I have probably ever seen play basketball.
0: But that and dude was
1: like eight feet tall. He was, <laughs> he was, and
0: he he was legitimately like seven seven, wasn't he? Uh, something, something like, like
1: that? that, yeah, close to that. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I stole. You know, he came from Africa, yeah, but he he was, you know, super super dark. But then you got other people that came from Africa that were not not as dark, <laughs> you know. Which is, but that's just the nature of. Uh, uh, it's life. called the genetic lottery <laughs> or just you know,
0: everybody's different. You know, True. Um, I did have a special mention for one other guy that I really, really wanted to put the time into and do a on here and have three, but I couldn't justify it. Like he has to have his own. Um, that is Doris Miller, who was a cook during world war II. Yeah. He was on a, I can't remember what, what ship it was during Pearl Harbor. And the ship got attacked by kamikazes.
1: I thought it was the Arizona. No,
0: it wasn't the Arizona. It was a different one. Um, But he ended up saving the captain of the ship, then fucking manning an AA gun that he had never even laid hands on and shooting down a bunch of Japanese planes. And uh, I believe it's this year or beginning of next year, they've commissioned a new aircraft carrier, and they're naming it after him, which is fucking incredible. He will be the first African-American service member to have an air, an aircraft carrier any kind of uh piece of equipment or anything like that uh named after him. So, good on you man. Like yeah. you're a fucking hero.
1: <laughs> Definitely. No. I
0: mean, yeah, un- unfortunately yeah. he did he did die during another kamikaze attack in the Pacific, but
1: the U- he was on the USS West Virginia.
0: Yes, there we go. Okay, West Virginia.
1: He was he got the Navy Cross. Yeah.
0: Which is like I think it was like the second or third highest uh honor you can get in the navy, something like that.
1: This motherfucker was on in the Indianapolis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Which will be its own episode during Shark Week. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do it last year, but I fucking was sick, so but anyway, um that's what it's it, that's, that's what we got for this week. It's not gonna be our longest episode, it's not gonna be our shortest, but we uh
1: Are you about done?
0: Fucking big mouth. Um seriously? Every time I fucking talk he barks. It's like he knows what I'm doing in here. Hmm. Son of a bitch. But anyway, that's uh that's what we got for this week. Um I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I had no idea who you were picking, no freaking clue, and I was like, okay. And that's like I know clue who you are. Fucking picking. badass.
1: Yeah, like I said, I wanted to do someone that, you know, was was far better than was not not far better, but t- different. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, a typical, like I said, typical not typical military, you know, killed 20 guys or whatever. Neither one of us did t- the typical, you know, military, type badass type of, you know, well, Never mind. You started. You, you kind of. <laughs> hey, man, it's not my All fault. Right. I, it's not one my fault. I did. love
0: Tombstone. And it's was just I like, a we Wild know, West Lawmen? Good. Yeah, that's cool. Wait, I can cover one for Black History Month? Fuck yeah, let's do this. But, it's true. Yeah. No, I had a lot of fun with this. Like, we, have to, we got to do more badasses. badasses. I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, badasses are fun. Badasses. They're fun. They're easy to find stuff for. They're yeah. fucking crazy. So that's a plus.
1: And I like, you know, I kind of like this to expand my knowledge. And, you know, like I said, found Bessie and, you know, found that she was just a badass in her own right for going out on a limb and just doing what she wanted to fucking do and screw society. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, You got anything else? Nah, so I mean, hit us up on uh, on Facebook. Go to Dark Windows Podcast. We're on there. Uh, and we're also on Instagram at Dark Windows Pod, Twitter at Dark Windows Pod. Not so much on Twitter. We yeah, apologize. We I got to get better at
0: Twitter. I'm fucking lazy.
1: Yeah, we both got it. Um, and you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Mm hmm. Just, you know, tell us how bad we
0: are or how great we are. Mostly how good I am and how much Kevin sucks at his job.
1: <laughs> you can do that. I don't care. Tried it once. one again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh. And you uh, You could also... F-
0: uh, you literally just shit your own mouth over there. I did. Nice try, uh, buddy.
1: Yeah. And... If you want, don't want anybody else to hear what you're listening to, you know, for this episode or any other episode, because sometimes we talk about shit that you just don't want people to listen to because it's that bad. Go to Studio. Check out their headphones and earbuds. Find what you want, because we know you will. Put them in your basket. Go to checkout. Put the discount code of Dark Windows 15 and get 15% off.
0: Yeah. The whole order. And then go to darkwindowspod.threadless.com and get a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or stickers or a skateboard. I don't think anybody needs to get a skateboard, but All like right, whatever. get some fucking shirts or something. Um, anyway, I've got one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, one of our listeners actually just started a pretty cool Facebook page and I had to go on and like it. Um, his name is Robert Lafond, and he's running a page called Travels Unknown. I think he has a YouTube channel to go with it, um, but he's mostly talking about like all the places he's going. He lives in Florida and just kind of traveling around. And the uh, the pictures he's got on this Facebook page are awesome. So yeah, go check it out. Um, and if anybody else does anything like this, let us know because I would love to plug other people's stuff on here. Yeah, because we got some crazy talented people on this page.
1: Exactly. I, mean, I mean, we got other people.
0: We've also got John Gerlock on the page who runs a Facebook page called crypt is legends, lore and crazy stories who has like 2,500 more followers on his page than we do for the show. But he's got some, he's always posting good articles on there too. So yeah, if you guys do anything like that, let us know. We will plug the shit out of it. Anyway, that's all I've got. Is it? It is cool and now I gotta start working on next weeks
1: yeah so until then
0: just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you
1: (sighs) goodbye